Hi, this is Susie Quattro, and you are listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. Music is our specialty over here, available on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Megaphone, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, I am calling this uh, episode The Pasha Sound, episode 186. I uh, was going to call it The Spencer Proffer Sound, um, but, you know, that's not particularly accurate. It's pretty accurate. Pasha's pretty accurate, but uh, as you're going to find out in this uh, episode, um it doesn't have to be produced by Spencer Proffer or made at Pasha to have the Pasha sound. So essentially, this is about uh, sort of a production thing you would get in uh, in early hair metal, uh, essentially. And that's kind of an important thing about this as well. It's uh, It was a short-lived thing. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so here's the history. And, and this is what I found. I, there's a couple neat dis, uh, discoveries along the way, I, I think, in this one. So so essentially, Spencer Proffer um, was kind of a business mover and shaker, a music guy, a song guy, kind of putting bands together, uh, thinking about hits, thinking of concept. The, obviously, the big famous band that he uh that he was instrumental in getting off the ground was was Quiet Riot after those first two albums and then you know Randy goes off to Ozzy and then they come back with Metal Health and this thing goes six times platinum um you know 1983 it it's uh it's one of the big records in kicking off hair metal uh but essentially uh, we won't go into too much of that, but essentially, um, you know, Spencer kind of got his ideas uh, a little bit from his experience with uh, with having a bit of a hit with uh, Billy Thorpe with Children of the Sun. Um, and then and then he moved into this quiet riot situation, which, like I say, uh, a lot of it had to do with uh, the management end of it and, you know, helping get them on uh, on the Us Festival and, and sort of the mask idea and the Slade covers and all these things we don't need to talk about here, by the way. Um, if you want a big long uh, e document um, on on metal health, uh, I almost have enough to do it, like half a book. But I wrote this really long document over there. You can get it at zunior.com. Basically, the story of metal health. You know, interviewed all the guys. Lots of Spencer in there as well. Um, but yeah, so so that will uh, that will explain this whole thing a little more. Um, but essentially, you know, he starts up this studio, um, Pasha Music House. Uh, I think there's a second location or something. However, this works. But, but essentially, Dwayne Barron uh, is in as uh, as engineer, and that's and that's going to be pretty uh, important in this as well. And of course, we'll get to our five songs. I mean, we're basically going to have five examples of this uh, of what we're calling the Pasha sound here. Um, but uh, okay, well, let's actually play our first one right now. Let's uh, let's uh, let's get a song under our belts, and then we'll explain a little further. Take a listen to this. This is Quiet Riot with Red Alert. Yeah. 
Okay, so that's Red Alert from Condition Critical, July 27, 1984. So this is the second album. This is, a, or the second, well, it's the fourth technically, but so this is the second album of this big Pasha Sound thing that they got going on Metal Health. Um, so what is the Pasha Sound? Let's explain that first of all. So obviously you've got, um, you know, you can really hear this uh, iconically kicked off with uh, with metal health, bang your head, parentheses, whatever uh, that song, and then throughout that entire album. So what is it here? So so first of all, um, it's got a big, boomy but distorted sort of drum sound. Um, that it it sounds like the snare drum is uh, is tuned down. So you know the 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 um, the head on it is is fairly loose. Uh, so you get that that sort of big turgid, big you know kind of muscular mid rangey snare sna- sound. It's not high and snappy. Um, you get this idea that they're using a lot of the room and credit to Jim Baki on this, um, who, uh, you know, we were, we were doing a, a show the other day for Sea of Tranquility and I, and I hit the guys up for, Hey, what, what do you think helps get this sound? And Jim, you know, he's a recording artist himself. He's got the great fuzz bubble band. Uh, we were talking about cheap trick yesterday and fuzz bubbles, this awesome power pop band that he has Hitman, of course, as well. But yeah, he, he knows his way around a studio and, uh, and instrumentation and stuff. And he was saying things like, um, you know, it's possible that the, well, the guitar, you know, uh, I, I, I kind of knew all this as well, but uh, but reverb, lots of reverb on the guitar, lots of reverb on the drums, um, you know, possibly um, a chorus effect on the guitar, um, possibly even something like a, like an eventide harmonizer. Um, but he had a, a, a pretty interesting insight where he said um, they're using a lot of the room and, and he even used the word overuse. So overuse of room sound on the drums. So so that's when you're really using the room sound. You're not miking things closely. You're not using a lot of mics. Maybe you're using a lot of possibly overheads to capture everything at once. So there's a lot of bleed between the tom-toms and the cymbals and the snare and all that stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, possibly the miking is uh, stripped down a little bit. Um, it's certainly not close, like you're not putting the mics, you know, directly under or, or on or, you know, an, an inch off the heads all over the place. So so overuse of the room, you know, we, we've got a big boomy room. This is famous, you know, back to Headley Grange and John Bonham and all that. Everybody wants a John Bonham drum sound, right? And that's the other thing. Frankie Benali was a, was an absolute John Bonham fanatic, Um you know, he, he told me that many times. We talked about Led Zeppelin lots of times over the years. Um, and basically, um, you know, he, he wanted to get a big John Bonham sound. Now, I wouldn't say that the Quiet Riot had a John Bonham sound, but they have this Pasha sound. Um, so that's the drums, uh, the guitars. The rest of it, there's not really much to it. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, possibly you might want to include the vocals in here. And probably the main reason I'm telling you this is this. So here's a quote from, from Carlos Cavazzo, the... Um, the guitarist. He says, um, the studio was decent. It wasn't the best studio I ever recorded in, but it was a good studio. I remember, let's see, it had about three rooms and Spencer had his offices there and Carol had her office there. And I remember it was right at the intersection of Melrose and Gower, right next to Astro Burger. I remember every time we had to break, we would go eat burgers over at Astro Burger. But the sound was great. I think it still stands the test of time. It stands up to many records still recorded today. I remember a lot of the sound was Spencer, but a lot of it was Dwayne Barron, the engineer. We've got to give a lot of credit to Dwayne and obviously and the band. You know, Kevin knew a lot about recording as well as me and Frankie and Rudy, but I have to give a lot of credit to Dwayne Barron. But sure, Spencer had a lot of good ideas in the studio, had a lot of our music written out, and I don't think he did much changes to our songs musically, but he did have a lot of good vocal and harmony harmony ideas and MIDI sound effects. He was smart in a lot of ways. 
Definitely the most professional person I'd ever uh, recorded with uh, at, at that point. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Um... Yeah, um, I've got a quote here from Spencer, but it, but it seems like a little bit of an exaggeration. I think I think that that was a was a standard of uh, of Spencer. I, he he seemed to be a guy that kind of, uh, you know, definitely wanted to get credit for everything that he that he kind of did. But he talks about uh, Motley Crue making the first record at Pasha. Not really. Uh, Tommy Lee thought he was a great uh, Tommy, but this I believe because I'm because this is going to be a point in a minute. Tommy Lee thought we had a great drum sound and wanted to replicate that, so they came into Pasha. Um, and there is some recording that goes on at Pasha, but this is going to be actually almost the main point of this episode, and we'll get to that in a minute. But so yeah, I just wanted to uh, to reiterate again. So this song you just first you you first heard here, uh, Red Alert. Um, so that is Spencer Proffer as producer. It's made at Pasha. It is Dwayne Barron Engineering. Uh, so this is Pasha Music House in Hollywood, and the Metal Health album was produced by Spencer, recorded and mixed by Dwayne Barron at Pasha Music House as well. QR three. Pasha, and don't forget, Pasha was also a label. So Pasha distributed by CBS. They had that really nice kind of blue blue label. It was a nice design. So QR3, uh, Pasha as well, Pasha CBS as well, uh, Spencer and John Purdell that time. So so that time you now have Spencer working with another guy and they're and they're getting co-producer credit. QR, the QR album, um, 
October 21st, 1988, Pasha CBS again as a label, and that was uh, produced by Spencer. So there you go. Quiet Ride is kind of the main, uh, the main uh, receptacle, the main place uh, where we ascribe this sound. Let's move on to our second track here. Take a listen to this. This is Kick Axe with Cause for Alarm. All right, you know how much I love this Kick Axe album. I also wrote the liner notes for one of the reissues of it. Um, so this is May 14th, 1984. This is a band from Saskatchewan. Love this album to death. I think it's an absolute classic of of restraint, of, uh, of production, of amazing vocals from George Criston, uh, of these songs that obviously had percolated for a lot of years. This is a band that had been going since 1975. Um so they get signed to Pasha and they go down there and they record down there and they have a lot of crazy stories, drug stories about what it was like at this office. It was a pretty freely, freewheeling place. I won't go into too many more uh, uh, particulars on that. You know, and I, I kept looking, have have I finally gotten around to writing this story of this album over at Zunior.com? No, I haven't yet. I still haven't done that. And I was like, got all these good interviews with good stuff on it, but I got to get that done. Um, but anyways... Um, you can definitely hear that Pasha sound here as well, how big the drums are on this, how meaty the guitars are. Um, th- this is another album where you definitely get that. I was going to play you Heavy Metal Shuffle, which is super, super clear on this as well. Um, but yeah, you definitely hear the sound on this album. And so this is uh, Dwayne Barron as engineer, but also Hans Peter Huber uh, as engineer. Now the second album, Welcome to the Club, November 29th, 1985, is mostly done at Gilmore Studio Metalworks uh, in Mississippi saga just down the road from where i am uh and that's produced by randy bishop and spencer proffer and that's got all sorts of canadian rock icon guest stars on it um so that one doesn't really have the pasha sound but the first one does i absolutely recommend the vices album to anybody who loves uh you know good thoughtful early nascent uh, uh sort of hair metal sound party metal sound a little bit of a helix thing to it um but yeah, so uh, so there you go. Uh, Kick Axe definitely feels this way. Um, yeah, and uh, I want to mention that this episode of History in Five Songs, of course, uh, with Martin Popoff, is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help better help is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset and special offer to History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's move on to our third selection here and things get a little more complicated. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Wasp with Running Wild in the Streets. As my forces yell, 
Okay, so what we have going on here is this is from the second Wasp album, The Last Command, um, October 25th, 1985. Spencer Proffer is the engineer and producer on this. Um, pro producer assistants, uh, Susanna Duberry. Engineer also listed is Hans Peter Huber. Um, but Wasp is certainly a band where you get this Pasha sound. Yeah, uh, you know, how else to describe this? It, it, it kind of annoys the ears. It, it is, it is very noisy and raucous. And again, talking to the panel, um, you know, when we were doing this cheap trick, uh, episode yesterday for, uh, for Sea of Tranquility, um, you know, most people spoke about it unfavorably. Um, so it's not, you know, uh, they they sort of claim that it's not a good sound. I kind of disagree. I think it's a it's a pretty cool sound. But one thing we could all agree on is it's a really unique production sound that didn't last very long, and it's it's just it's just an interesting sound. Um, and if you like if you like your hair metal raucous and party action and and drinking uh, Friday night Saturday night sound, um, it's definitely that. Um, you know, it's it's definitely not missing any bottom end. Uh, it's not particularly missing top end. What it might be missing a little bit, and this is where Jim's kind of interesting on this. Uh, you know, I, and and a lot of people are, and I'm kind of learning about this a little bit. And you hear this more from guitarists where they will sensibly talk about how well or not the guitars are. I never really thought about guitar production very much, um, but this is a this is a place where that really comes up because the guitars seem to be missing some frequency. Uh, the the term I like to use is gutted, right? Uh, it sounds like the guitars are gutted. Um, so uh, so it's almost like when you turn the uh, remember on the old stereos when you would you would have loudness and you turn it all the way. Uh, down or up, whatever. Uh, but the point is, is the loudness button was a very crude type of equalizer that sucked out the mid range, essentially, right? Um, so it, so it almost has a little bit of that to to it. It's it's kind of missing some specific mid range um, frequencies, and that's and that's what makes it kind of interesting. But so that's the second Wasp album. The first album, uh, not involved at all. Um, it's uh, it's basically recorded at the record plant. But uh, lo and behold, it kind of has the Pasha sound. Uh, the third album, Inside the Electric Circus, is produced by Blackie Lawless, but it is recorded at Pasha. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and again, you totally get the Pasha sound. Now, after this, Wasp kind of moves away from it. But it's one of the things I really... Um, Although I like the Pasha sound on the Quiet Riot stuff, I'm not crazy about it on the Wasp stuff. Something about Blackie's voice is so Pasha sound that it that it that it all it's almost too much. Um, and also the fact that he loves Keith Moon like Who drum patterns. So there's a lot of busyness on toms and fills and stuff that you get in Wasp as well. So I found. You know, the noisiness of the Pasha sound mixed with the noisiness of Blackie's voice mixed with the noisiness of the drum performance and production. I find Wasp almost too too noisy and clattery and clamorous uh, to listen to. Um, so that's so, yeah, it's ear fatiguing to me, I guess, is what I'd say. Um, all right, let's move on to our fourth selection here. And this story heats up. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Motley Crue with Keep Your Eye on the Money.
Okay, so I almost think I'll even maybe take this back a little. Um, you almost get as much Pasha sound or more of this Pasha sound on uh, specifically two Motley Crue albums, and that's this album that this song is from. So this is from Theater of Pain, June twenty first, nineteen eighty five. This is uh, this is Motley Crue's third album. Uh, it's recorded at Pasha partially, but also Record Plant West. Now the interesting thing is Tom Werman is the producer. But Dwayne Barron is the engineer. So again, as Carlos says, you have to give a lot of credit uh, to this sound to uh, Dwayne Barron. And fact of the matter is engineers are always the secret weapon. They're the unsung heroes of any production. And uh, and Tom Werman would, would probably readily admit that. Um, you know, Tom Werman will say, you know, he, he does certain things and he's a certain way and he'll, he'll, he has his input. But um, he knows the importance of a good engineer as well. Um, an interesting point to bring up here as well is that, um, so Tom Werman productions, I don't particularly like them when it comes to Cheap Trick and Ted Nugent. Um, and Dee Snyder cer- certainly, you know, I did a whole episode on this, right? There's a whole Tom Werman uh, episode. Um, so I won't go into to it too much. But the fact of the matter is the Stay Hungry album also has... Uh, a little bit of this Pasha sound, uh, screechiness in the mid-range, I guess, uh, and the drums are are kind of loud and overbearing. I don't know. I think I think on, I think on Stay Hungry, there's even there's even more crowding to the mid-range, but there there is a harshness to everything, uh, and D. Snyder famously didn't did not like that, um, but. Okay, just to just to clear up on the Motley Crue story, so so there's nothing really involved. Again, I don't know what Spencer's quote is about there. You know, he might have thought maybe some demos were done there and that the whole thing was moved, or or maybe even Pasha is somewhat uncredited on some of this stuff. But basically, um, so too fast for love. There doesn't seem to be much of a connection. Shout of the Devil is Tom Werman, but he's working with Jeff Workman as an engineer. Again, a, a famous and really good engineer. Um, but after this. Um, you you get uh, the Girls, Girls, Girls album, and that's recorded at One on One and Conway and Rum or Rumbo. You know, all not Pasha, but it's an absolutely, absolutely a Pasha sound. Um, but again, uh, the team comes back that was on Theater Pain. It's Tom Werman and Dwayne Barron. Um, but yeah, you listen to something like Wild Side um, or Girls, Girls, Girls or whatever. I mean, you listen to that drum sound, and you can tell. That it's Tommy Lee really liking, you know, this this thing that basically Frankie Benali and Spencer Proffer and Dwayne Barron and Pasha Studio invented. Um, so, the interesting part of this story here is that uh, the Pasha sound essentially expires. It doesn't get used very much, but Motley Crue adopts it and keeps it the longest. So, keeping it into the likes of 1987, uh, there there basically is no more of this sound anywhere else outside of Motley Crue. So, that's kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, with the connective tissue being Dwayne Barron, basically Motley Crue adopts, takes over, uh, is inspired by whatever you want to call it, this Pasha sound, and they... And and they have great success with it with these two big albums, the theater of uh, theater of pain and uh, and girls, girls, girls. And then once you get to Doctor Feelgood, it's it's not really there anymore, and that's that's a whole uh, whole another story as well. Uh, okay, let's move on to our fifth selection here. Take a listen to this. This is a band called Icon with On Your Feet.
All right, shout out to Butch Jones from the Butcher Shop and uh, Hudson Valley Squares. Uh, Butcher Shop, of course, is a is a Facebook page, uh, all things metal. And uh, and Butch, uh, you know, he shows up on uh, on uh, Hudson Valley Squares quite often, right? Um, but he's a big Icon supporter. He always brings up Icon. He really loves this band. And uh, yes, of course, he's got very good taste because Icon's amazing. He loves Thin Lizzy as well. Um, but uh, but no Icon. So um, so what you have here is. Um, Pretty interesting. So July 7th, 1984, the self-titled Icon album. It's produced by Mike Varney. And it's and it's uh, done at Prairie Sun at Katata. Is that how you say it? I don't know. You Californians tell me how to how to pronounce that. But um but yeah, so it's so it's Mike Varney producing and Alan Suddath uh, as engineer. Um, but what I find interesting here is uh, always, always, always as a kid, I always thought that this was a complete Spencer Proffer joint. Uh, you know, it sounded like uh, him, um, it, or it, it always felt like part of the family. But there's no real connections, uh, so it brings up kind of a good point. Um, I didn't go research this, but I, in the back of my mind, you know, swimming back there somewhere in all my trivia, um, I think there's some other. Mike Varney productions that have a fair bit of this uh, of this Pasha sort of sound, um, but yeah, I, this is this is an absolutely textbook uh, example of a Pasha sound thing with no connections whatsoever, um, except for and and kind of like the Motley Crue one. Now, when you get to this band's Night of the Crime album, it's not really like this at all. They've kind of left this, and and that's kind of uh, you know a metaphor for this point that it was a short lived thing. Um, maybe everybody got tired of it. Maybe it was too hard on people's ears. Uh, maybe the maybe the label didn't like it. It's a it's a pretty noisy sound. But anyways, by the time Icon gets to uh, the Night of the Crime album, they're producing with uh, Eddie Kramer. They're doing it at Bearsville in New York, and then uh, Chaton Chaton uh, in Phoenix. Phoenix was where Icon was from, uh, and then Mark McKenna, engineer, additional engineer, uh, Bill Sheneman. So. So essentially, um, yeah, this this thing is is kind of over with here, um, and those are our examples. But I did want to mention a few honorable mentions. Um, so so definitely um, a big part of this story as well is uh, Carmen Apice's band uh, King Cobra. Uh, so the Ready to Strike album from 1985 is absolutely absolutely textbook Pasha sound. Um, it's produced by Spencer Proffer. Uh, engineer is Dwayne Barron. Uh, it's made at Pasha. But when you get to uh, Thrill of a Lifetime, 1986, so just a year later, that sounds kind of gone. Again, uh, like the second uh, Icon album, it's uh, it's big sounding still. It's got big drums still, but it's glossier. So it's it's moving into uh, more of a cleaner hair metal terrain. Um, and that's produced, uh, co-produced by Carmine, uh, Carmine Apice and Spencer uh, with with Dwayne Hitchings. Um, so yeah, three three production credits on that. Um, and also specific, I guess, to the time period. And again, some things where you don't really uh, there's no connection. But I would include these in the same sort of characteristics. Um, Keel, uh, I think it's the Right to Rock album, right? Keel uh, sounds a little bit like this way or, or this way. Steeler, I don't think sounds this way. Uh, at all, but but Keel definitely does. I always thought Rough Cut had a little bit of this sound as well. And uh, interestingly enough, Helix, I think, has a little bit of this sound. Um, but that's Tom Tremuth, buddy of mine from down the road. Um, he had his own label, and I guess, uh, was he the manager of Helix? I'm not sure, but maybe he was the producer anyways of a few Helix albums. Um, so I think they have a little bit of this going for them. Um, 
And I also think Sabotage Fight for the Rock, um, you know, that notoriously uh, disliked Sabotage album because of some ill-advised covers on it, not as heavy, uh, certainly as the first two, are, which are masterpieces. But I think that has a little bit of this sound as well. Uh, Vixen, uh, Vixen worked at Pasha, but they were on Capitol. But many producers and no Dwayne Barron there. Um, and and that's 1988, and it's not the sound either. So so again, uh, the the funny thing is this thing is really kind of like a 1983 to 1985 joint, and that's and that's kind of it. Um, and there's also Outlaws, uh, uh, Soldiers of Fortune, um, which I, I did I didn't look at the credits particularly, but there's definitely connections there. And uh, one with without connections is Cinderella, and I think Cinderella also has a little bit of this sound. Cinderella is kind of an ear fatiguing, distorted, noisy sound, augment or, or underscored by the fact that Tom Kiefer's voice is a little bit that way as well. Uh, the same way we were, we were talking about um, Blackie Lawless, somewhat, right? Um, so there you go. Uh, that's our that's our Pasha Sound episode. I just wanted to make a a couple of quick points. The last episode was called Famous Last Words, and it was about the very last lyrics um, of uh, of a band. Uh, on the on the last song on their last album, and uh, there were a couple great ones that came in on the Facebook that I wanted to mention. Um, let's see here. Uh, one of the funny ones was uh, you know, and technically it's not the last album by the band, but ACDC Highway to Hell. Um, bon Scott at the end of it goes Shazbot Nanu Nanu from uh, from Mork and Mindy. I thought that was really cool, and that was pointed out I think by Steve Bellow. Um, and uh, let's see, what else did we have here? Where was the other one? Um, oh, Brandon Belt mentioned that as well. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, the Warren Zevon one. Yeah, th- this is uh, going almost almost into a new terrain, but these guys who knew they were dying sort of thing. So, uh, so yeah, the Warren Zevon one, um, Keep Me In Your Heart, where he basically talks about say, saying goodbye on this. Basically, it's a cancer album, right? Um, and then uh, Tegan uh, mentions that uh, the show must go on by Queen. Yeah, it's it's a good point um, because basically the Made in Heaven album is is uh, you know posthumous, right? Um, so that's kind of a good one as well. The show must go on is is very poignant uh, the way that whole thing ends up. You can tell he's he's kind of there's a there's an element of saying goodbye in there. Um, Steve Polari also mentioned. Uh, Perhaps Nick Drake's "From the Morning" off Pink Moon. Yeah, uh, don't don't know what the lyrics are. He didn't put the lyrics here, but that that's pretty interesting. Um, Don uh, Don Caldian mentions uh, the last song from the last album from Jimi Hendrix Experience is "Voodoo Child Slight Return." Uh, that song says, "I want to say one more last thing. I didn't mean to take up all your sweet time. I'll give it right back to you one of these days." I said I didn't mean to take up all your sweet time. I'll give it back to you. One of these days, if I don't meet you no more in this world, then I'll meet you in the next one and don't be late. Wow. Nice grab, Don. That was awesome. Uh, Voodoo Child, slight return. Um, Let's see. Uh, Lee Jones mentions a Thin Lizzy heart attack. I don't think I mentioned it in this episode, um, but if I did, I did say that I didn't use it because uh, basically I used it in the previous episode, which was called, I think it was episode 109, which was about... um, last best songs so it's obviously very related to this episode but this was about uh the very last lyrics uh so there you go there's some there's some really cool additions uh to that whole thing if you like this show and want to support future episodes please go to ko-fi.com slash martin popoff hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint uh 
On that front this week, I would like to thank Andy at Black Sugar Transmission. Andy, of course, guitarist for Blondie, guitarist for KMFDM. Very cool. Um, you can see a lot of great videos of him live um, on YouTube in front of big crowds with Blondie, and there's some really good K K KMFDM uh, videos as well. Uh, David Fisher, Dennis Lawson, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, Steve Polari, and Aaron Steelman. Thank you all very much. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of books, uh, martinpopoff.com. Uh, of course, we've got the Contrarians YouTube channel as well. Um, but um, the Pink Floyd book is selling pretty well. I've run out of it twice. I've ordered some more. So, yeah, that's the Dark Side of the Moon 50th anniversary book. Uh, that is at my website, uh, martinpopoff.com. It comes in a slip cover with a die cut for the triangle and all that stuff. Really cool book. A little pricey, but the Bowie as well. I still got uh, one box left of the Bowie. Uh, Five copies, less than five copies of Sweet left, and less than about 12 copies of the Max Webster left. For some reason, people are ordering that Max Webster. Is somebody out there talking about Max Webster a lot? I don't know. But anyways, running out of some things, and they're not going to go back into print. The other one that's not going to go back into print, oh, what was it? Um, well, yeah, Holy Smoke's gone. So last one left uh, of the Iron Maiden trilogy is uh, is Where Eagles Dare. So we've only got the 80s book of, of that one. So uh, there you go. Um your homework uh, for for this week, go play that Kick Axe Vices album. Um, you know, I don't know. Is it just me? I just think it's a, it's a work of genius uh, throughout. Um, it's just it's just really paced well, and it doesn't it it isn't uh, you know really. There's not a lot of ego in it. It's not really trying to convince you of anything. It's it's slow moving. It's spare. Kind of interesting. Um, but I just think it's just uh, just exquisite exquisite songwriting. So yeah, Kick Axe Vices. Talk to you next week. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.